I'm sorry that I'm late. I was feeding a hummingbird. Really? That's yes. no excuse. Did you fumble <laughs> yeah, no. quickly and get out slow-mo on your iPhone? Quick? No, no, no. So while we were in England, uh, my wife sent me pictures of a hummingbird that we are taking care of. And so we have a hummingbird who's injured. That's why we're taking care of it. Uh, in a cage, and we're feeding a hummingbird. Do you know how you feed a hummingbird? Drops of water, I Like eyedropper or something, right? A paintbrush. So oh, you take, come- yeah, sugar water or this other, uh, called a bug juice, where they mash up mealworms in water. Yeah. It's really mm-hmm. gross. And you dip a paintbrush in it, and then you hold it up, and they stick their crazy, long, filament-like tongue <laughs> out. It's so weird looking. Like, you never see their tongue, but... When they're eating from a paintbrush, you so can see it come out. And it looks like a piece of fishing Is he sitting down tie. or his wings flapping? No, he's sitting down. He can fly a little bit. Right. Um, we have a screen in back porch. And so, like, you know, we'll, we're trying to let him fly away. And so we'll take him out and he'll he'll fly up a little bit. And then he just, like, can't hold the elevation. And so. They and just, how did you – how did he become in, encapsulated in your world? That I don't know. I was in England. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the story exactly, and I still haven't gotten it yet. But um, she sent me pictures while I was over there. And so she uh, volunteers. My wife volunteers at a animal rescue here in town. And they take care of all sorts of broken and busted animals. Like there's possum and raccoons and deer and horses and chickens and squirrels, it, like all sorts of stuff, but they don't take care of birds. So somehow she came across this bird. They didn't have what they needed to take care of it out there, so she just took it home and trying to nurse it back to health so it can fly away. But she <laughs> she's called me this morning. She was like, I don't have time to come home and feed the bird. Can you feed the bird? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a new thing since I've gotten back from England. Bob, you got home safely. Obviously, we both did, but uh, your travel is uneventful as it should be. It was uneventful <laughs> until the very last flight. Oh no! And you, we're from Atlanta to Kentucky? from Atlanta to Louisville. Yeah, uh, and we got on the plane. It was you know five minutes delayed. No big deal. So we got on the on the plane. It was very hot, and I was wearing a mask. You know, you didn't have to because I just really wanted to be. We made it out alive and made it out <laughs> healthy. And so we'll talk like, about you know, that in a minute. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was wearing a mask, it was, it started getting really hot and I thought it was just me, but then everybody around me started complaining. And so it turns out that the, there's, when a plane is sitting at the terminal, there are two systems that are at work to cool the plane. There's one that's plugged in from the outside, like jetway air. And then there's another one that's on board. And without the engines running, this other one is making the cold air. Well, that system didn't work. So we're stuck there waiting for them to either disengage this system so we can just leave and, like, once we get in the air, it'll cool down or fix the system. And we sat there for an hour and a half, maybe, in hot. And then eventually somebody got sick and threw up in the bathroom. So then they had to clean the bathroom. So they had to wait for a cleaning crew to come clean the bathroom before we can leave. It was was a rough ending to, like, 24 hours of flight. Yeah. (laughs) Or whatever it was. I don't know, 22. But I made it home. So yeah, yeah. How was your I was uh, I was good. We we left. We took a train down to London. And we had to switch three times because it was a Ooh. bank holiday on Monday. Maybe you, maybe you don't know that it was a bank holiday. So the typical train ride that we would take, which is just a nonstop train from no, well not nonstop, but direct from Birmingham to London's 
Houston station, and then that puts you right in the middle of the the underground, and you can go any way you want on there. And anyway, we had to switch a few times because it was a holiday. We got down there, and the nerve wracking part, which is funny, I try to do a little, I tried to do a vlog of this trip. And Bob, last night I, I opened up all the files of me with the little microphone, and yeah. Taylor was immediately cracking up. She was like scrolling through all of them, laughing. So I'm like, okay, maybe I do have something here because I didn't know if I got everything I needed. The only thing I should have really filmed, or the one most important thing, is me and Derek sitting there chewing our fingernails off, waiting to find out if we passed our COVID tests. He goes, <laughs> when we got to England, we did not know you needed a COVID test, a clean COVID test to pass to get back into the United States, no matter who None you were. None of us knew. None of the None Americans of the, knew that. The only person who knew was Tim Sway because he reads. Hmm. And it was <laughs> – we met up with Tim Sway in Boston. We happened to see him at the airport. He took a different flight, but we saw him right away. And he was the only one in the whole airport with a mask on. And he says, I'm being careful because you need to test negative to get back in. And me and Derek immediately, like, our faces drop. We're like, are you serious? We just did not think we were going to shake 600 hands and be able to not catch COVID and come back. Okay. You know, we thought maybe we'd have, like, a little bit of – you know, non-symptomatic positivity on us, rub off on us. We just did, that's it. We're just going to get stuck in England. We, we spoke with Nick. We said, Nick, if we get stuck, can we sleep in your cottage? He's like, no worries. We'll do a couple project videos together. We had it all planned out <laughs> to spend, you know, an extra 10 days or 15 days in England. Obviously, we got through okay, but I remember sitting there, kind of dozed off while we were waiting for our test results. And now our plane was in about two hours. And Derek jumped up and smacked my foot and he goes, that's it. We're good. I go, are you serious? He goes, I'm not kidding. We're good to go because he had just gotten the email. But it was about a 30-minute wait, about 20 feet outside of the nursing shed, just waiting for the message to come to us. Yeah, it was very nerve-wracking. It was the test where they, mm. they wipe your nose, put it in a bottle, and then drip it on the thing, and you wait for to see if you're pregnant or not. The line shows up or it doesn't show up. <laughs> and they set the timer, and he says, you're good. You can go well, outside. are you wait. pregnant? I mean, I'm not pregnant, tell us thank God. No, oh. thank God. But unfortunately, Zach, and he he's tweeted about this, so... He's Instagrammed about it. Zach Herberbolt's tested positive two or three days in a row so far. It's been a few days. And hopefully today he'll be able to go home. But he's stuck there, unfortunately, for an extra four days at the very mm -hmm. moment. And it's just so frustrating. He's got a lot going on. And I just I feel so bad for him. But I'm sending him messages and stuff just trying to keep his spirits up. But Tracy yeah, had to go home because him and Tracy traveling together. Tracy had to go to take care of the house. They had a couple people taking care of stuff at the house and he had to go get back. She had to go get back involved. So, so what was interesting is when we, I went to the airport to leave, I had gotten a negative test on Sunday to leave. And uh, so I went and I was, I got there early cause I was already awake. So I'm waiting in line. I'm the only person in this entire big area. And then Zach and Tracy walk up <laughs> and it turns out they were on my same flight all the way to Atlanta. And so since Zach couldn't go, uh, Tracy, you know, we hung out and kind of, made th through all the different changes and all of that stuff to get to Atlanta. So that was kind of cool to have somebody to travel with. Um, and then I talked to Zach this morning and he had, uh, he was trying to find the motorcycle museum in Birmingham. There's a British motorcycle museum. That's really close to the NEC where the maker central, I guess we haven't said that we were at maker central. We were at maker yep. central last we're week in, in Birmingham, England. Um, there's a motor motorcycle museum there. That's all British cycles for the, like from the beginning of motorcycles. And I went there last time we were in town, and we had to get to this place. We had to, like, run across roads you're not supposed to run across and, like, go through a field. And it, it was not easy to get to, but we got to. And I told him about it. And this morning he messaged me and sent me a picture of the map of the places he had walked. And he was like, how in the world did you get to the 
motorcycle <laughs> museum. I don't think he ever made it, but he had a nice walk. <laughs> yeah. So. It's, uh, Taylor keeps it. When we got there, Taylor sent me and Derek 20 places to go have good food. And every mm. one of them is outside the NEC compound. Yeah. The NEC is a compound surrounded by highways. It's like being like at an event, like right in the middle of a giant airport complex, kind of, is what it feels like. Yeah. You can't easily stroll to downtown. You, it's obviously you can call a, a cab or whatever. but And we've done that a few times in the past. But the minute you leave the place, you feel like <clears throat> you can just get lost into the world. So there's yeah. something about like disconnecting from that place where you feel like, oh, no, am I going to get back here? Okay. Yeah. So the NEC is a convention center kind of yep. place connected to a train station that's connected to an airport. Yeah. And so it is all of the in and outs of that entire area right there. And then, you know, right next to it are some hotels and a mall. And so we all stayed at the hotels right there. Yeah. So it was like a compound that we didn't have to leave, which, which makes it feel very not European. No, it you felt know, like we like, could have been in anywhere in the United yeah, States. Yeah. Like you don't see anything. Every building that we saw was built in the last – 20 years maybe you know yeah not so even, it yeah. was a nice time but it's definitely not like traveling abroad really so. but I, like bob you say and i totally agree with you i like being at places but i don't like getting there and yeah you know, part, part of the beginning of of all of our adventures here was being out going out and seeing people and and i could not have enough trips five seven years ago like everything i would love to go to and i and everything i did go to and now as it's getting, I'm getting, maybe I'm just getting older. And also because of the lockdown for two years, not having to go anywhere and realizing my creative potential, just being uninterrupted and having to look inwardly towards and going back into my notebooks, look at ideas that I jotted down and forgot about. And also just not having the distractions and being able to focus. And now that I've traveled, I've gone on three trips in the last few months. I went to Arkansas. Uh, I went to Wisconsin, hang out with George, and now I went and did this. And at the in moment, Atlanta. I have nowhere else to go. So I'm going to try and maintain that record hmm. just to stick around. So I'm excited to just be back home and dig into my dig into my work. But Maker Central was fantastic. I got a chance to see Colin Furs. I got a chance to see uh, – I know a lot of people, we haven't really talked about this too publicly, but got a chance to meet the Kids Invent stuff and got to meet Ruth and – and it was very, very pleasant, nice conversation. What is that? Is that the the blender? You're making the food for the, for the birds? You guys hear that? Uh, I, I do. Oh. For, I think my furnace kicked on. Oh. <laughs> wow. It's a good In May. <laughs> but, yeah, right? I woke up this morning freezing. I turned all the heat at the house down. So I woke up and it was 50 degrees outside. It was 50 degrees in the house. But anyway, I got a chance to meet everybody. Like I said, we, we, me and Derek got a chance to speak to the kids and vent stuff and get rid of some uh, uh, misinformation. And we put some of that to bed. So that was nice to talk to, to Ruth. And um, got to see Colin and Tom Lamb and a whole bunch of other people. I can't even remember. Just those are the highlights. But uh, it, was, it was a great trip. It was great to be out again. It was great to see lots of fans for... The YouTube channel and then also the Netflix show, lots and lots of young children. It was great to talk to young kids. Mm. And so many young kids came up and, and got a chance to talk to them. It's like a, a whole new audience. Obviously, it is a real it is a whole new audience of young children coming up and being curious and asking about the show and if I'm really that mean person that you see on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Which you are not. Of, so yeah. when I got home last night or the other night, I saw my kids last night. Um 
my youngest son was like, so who all did you get to see? Did you see Jimmy? Yeah, I hung out with Jimmy probably more. And actually, I hung out with you more than I think I've ever gotten to actually sit down and hang out with you. And it was yeah, because it, it was just it was just the tight crew. It was me, you, Jocko, Derek, and yeah. who else was there? Who else was uh, there? Mario. Uh, Mario, came Jocko's with, guy. With Jocko. Yeah, it was just so nice. Like, we actually got to spend time together, which was really cool. But anyway, yeah. uh, last night he was like, did you hang out with Jimmy? And I said, yeah, we got to spend a lot of time with him. He was like, um, can you ask him a question for me? I was like, yeah, sure. He goes, I have an idea for an invention, and I want him to tell me how I can get on the show next season. <laughs> and I was like, well, I can pass the idea along. How about that? Right, right. He never did tell me I'll the idea. I'll give him the email to the Netflix executives that are uh, stonewalling us. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people are asking if we're doing another season. We honestly don't know. It's taken a long time to make a decision. So, and the fact that Netflix is going out of business, it probably isn't, doesn't look good. (laughs) I'm sorry? Yeah. No, (laughs) Netflix is losing subscribers. And it was funny. We were there day two at Maker Central. And and the first thing I usually do just habitually is I open up Twitter and see what the headlines are. And the headlines on Twitter aren't usually the headlines in the world. It's just like the Twitter filtration. Anyway, the first line was Netflix layoffs begin today. (laughs) I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, I I hate the Twitter. Like you don't, I don't see the Twitter twen- trending, uh, trending <laughs> on the phone, but on the computer, I do see the trending because mm. it's right there. And I'll see like some celebrity name, and I'm like, oh no, so and so died, and no, no. And then you see, you, you, you see that oh, I, I can't remember his name. It's from the actor. Uh, it shows him. He goes, oh, he grabs his chest like he didn't die. Oh, Red Fox. No, no, another one. I can't remember. It'll, it'll come to me. Well, David, we had a lot of people um, who had really super nice things to say about this show. Yeah, um, so many people listen to the show. So many people oh my listen to the show from the beginning again, which is unbelievable to me. Because if I had to do that, I think I would have to kill myself. Because <laughs> to hear myself that much over the last six to seven years. But I'm so I'm so honored that people really get that much out of the show sequentially. I think it's fantastic. So yeah, thank a few you. People you said that they had gone back and started it a second time. And I'm like, oh my Good goodness, grief. like I don't. Oh even, my okay. goodness, we should start paying them. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, lots of people had really super nice things to say. So if you're out there and you are one of the people that came up and talked to us and said that, uh, it meant a lot. Thank you. A lot of people asked about you, David. A lot of people, um, were trying to figure out how to convince you to go next time (laughs) so that they can meet you. (laughs) Um, but really, really nice time talking to people. Um, it was, it was a very, very good time with people. And again, like with the whole travel thing, Getting there, the ins and outs of travel and hotels and all of that stuff is, you know, can be a headache sometimes. But walking around and just hearing from all age people about how us hanging out and talking for an hour a week can have an impact on them is crazy. Just crazy to me. So it was very, very cool. Uh, We got to see a lot of even... Not a whole lot of U.S. creators, but people that we've seen in the past that we don't get to see often. Uh, Bobby Duke and his wife were there. Got to see them a little bit. Uh, Saw April. Talked to her for a while. Kind of blanking now on who else was there. Jocko. You know, Jocko Jocko and I have a nice bromance going on. And uh, whenever we see each other, 
It was, you know, it's, it's just, it's so sweet. You know, uh, one, one thing people say about uh, the show with me and the guys on the Netflix show is that you see a lot of the comments saying, I've never seen such burly grown men be so affectionate with each other. Hmm. And, you know, on this, a lot, we get that comment a lot. And, you know, it's nice to see it's because we, you know, I'm very huggy. You know, I, 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 Bob, I hug you, even though you don't want me to. I hug you even. I, I love your hugs. <laughs> Honestly, they're one of my favorite things. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, me and Jocko, when we see each other, we haven't seen each other in so long, we hugged. And I think, I know I cried. I think he cried a little bit, but he has glasses <laughs> on. And it was, I, it, it was so funny because I went back in my little interviews. I had a little tiny microphone like you see lately on YouTube. It's like the kids always have this little tiny metal microphone. So I had one attached to my camera. And uh, I interviewed Jocko. I said, Jocko, what brings you to, to make essentially? He goes, I only came to see you. <laughs> and he meant it. <laughs> it, was uh, so, it was so touching. It was so touching. I love that guy. So it was nice. It was very nice. Yeah. Refreshing after all this time. And Jocko put up a documentary about me two years ago. And that was the last time we saw each other in person when he came after Workbench Con and mm. came here, spent a couple of days to shoot me in and around the shop. And that was the last time I saw him in person. But I reminisced with him. It was so crazy because he was very worried. And all of what was going on in the world, he was worried about the Wuhan virus or whatever it might have been called at the time. He said, there's a, there's a, a flu going around in my area and I might not be able to get let back in. He was like, I think he was anxious to leave early before he knew the spread would maybe keep him from going back directly to his home. Cause it was hmm. in that area. And, uh, there's, there's lots of theories online about why his particular area in Italy, because there's a lot of makers from China would go to that area. And that's how part of the disease got proliferated into Italy, supposedly. And anyway, when he got home, he sent me a screen of his Tesla and it said, this is a biohazard area. He had just landed and gotten his car. That was this was February two years ago, and wow. he got in his car and he sent me a picture. and And so that was obviously the last time any of us moved around. Hmm. That's a fancy car. My car just says my air pressure is low. <laughs> yeah, no, it had an alert. For, it showed the map, and it's like this yeah. area is under you know potential lockdown, and it was right near where he lived. Yeah. Oh, we got to see Jenny Swiss, who's one of my favorite Europeans. Jenny's the best. Jenny's the guy who looks like me. Everyone says we look like each other. <laughs> and he, he, he's just so funny the way he talks. And uh, yeah, I did a couple of onstage bandsaw demos, which was, well, it was very nice because right after the demos, a couple of old timers, I did two of them. And both times, a couple of different old timers came up to me and, and they were impressed with my thing. So it was nice to be able to teach somebody who was open enough to look and see if there's something they could learn, you know, that's, hmm. that's the one thing I, I always, impress. I did a little keynote speech yesterday for a group of students graduating from high school out in Long Island. They did it over zoom. And, and one thing I impressed upon them is that, you know, you're never too old to learn. Never stop, never stop being curious and never stop learning. And these older gentlemen came over to me and they saw me do a couple of tricks that they had never seen and they were going to go home and try it. So that was nice. It was nice to see that. I, I thought it was funny that there was at least one time, if not more, in one of your demos where you were doing something and said into the microphone, this is dangerous. Don't do what I'm doing right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I said, just don't do it unless you develop the confidence. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, and then implying. you and uh, Jimmy and Jocko did a, a talk together about kind of product development, I guess, was the, the topic. Yeah. Um, and it was really good. Oh, Got thank to sit you. sit in and watch that. And it was... It was a, a lot of the main stage things were very kind of high level 
just general questions that most of us have been asked a million times before. And it wasn't, you know, they didn't, they were interesting, but not like real deep. But I think the two of you talking about developing products was very cool and had some good insight. Uh, and lots oh, cool. of people there to listen to it. So that was cool. Yeah. I know they, they recorded all of it. Nick says they, they, they've documented every stage performance. So it would be interesting good. stage talk. So it'd be interesting to see, get a chance to see all those at one point. Yeah, I didn't record any of the things because I just immediately like looked up and I'm like, oh, I got to go on since I ran up and I didn't have time to prepare a camera or anything. Yeah, I was late to mine. I got to talking to April and lost track of the time. <laughs> I was like standing in the middle and somebody yells across the room like, you're supposed to be on stage. So I had to leave. Yeah. But. I know, honestly, it was also good to see Colin. I only got to talk to him for a minute, Colin Furs. But it was nice to see Colin not in a booth with all of his stuff and just him mm-hmm. being just a, a playful dude with his kid. And his wife and uh, his wife is very cool. Get a chance to speak to his wife for a bit. And I actually, one of the people that came up online was Colin's neighbor. And they, they, they're one of his neighbors that like him. So they said a lot of nice things about him. But she's like, huh. some people can't stand him. <laughs> it was really funny. Oh. <laughs> Even Colin's wife said, she goes, that they have a couple of neighbors that they know very much dislike what they're up to. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, there's got to be as much stuff as he does. There has to be people who yeah. are just... Totally on board or totally not. Yeah. But, Someone yeah, said if he digs another tunnel, his house is going to cave into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it was good to see him. I didn't get to see him a whole lot. We talked for a couple of minutes. Um, I saw James Bruton was there, and I just shouted hi at him across the room, but I didn't really get to talk to him this year. Uh, he does all the, the crazy robotics stuff. Um, and then there was a guy there named Matt Denton. Did you get to talk to Matt Denton? I don't think so, no. So Matt Denton was set up right next to James, and he had these 3D-printed Lego uh, cars and, like, vehicles. Oh, and I so, saw Colin driving one in, a, in an Instagram post. Is that one he was driving? It looks like a little probably. go-kart. Yeah. yeah and he pulled yeah. the steering wheel off in the clip by accident. So he, he 3D prints Lego Technic bricks at, I don't even know what the scale is, like a 1,000% or two thousand percent scale or something they're they're you know a, a single small brick is i don't know six or seven inches across and they're they're snappable bricks they're just like lego wow they're like they actually have the tolerances to snap together and to hold together and stuff like that and then he builds machines out of them so he had a go-kart that you could that he as an adult could sit on and drive around it has drift wheels that he can slide onto it so he can drift around on it and uh, he had a little like excavator type machine, uh, and you know he like reached over while we were talking. He was like, "Oh yeah, they're all just snapped together." I reached over and grabbed a piece of it and just snapped it off, and then pushed it back on. It's so crazy. So we get we talked a lot about three D printing and um, just how he was doing it, and I asked him a lot of questions about the the go kart. Because I was curious, like with a go-kart that you're sitting on, it's got to bear your weight. It's got to bear the forces of the motor and the torque and, you know, uh, all the the directional shifting that you, if you go around something, if you're making a turn, even if it's not like a super sharp turn, it still has to bear all of that force in that, in those directions. And then he had the drift tires, which make that even worse. And so I was like, you know, how are you, how is this thing holding together? And he pointed out two places on it. He was like, this is glued, and this is glued, and the rest of it is snapped together. And then he 3D printed a an axle that went through the front axle out of polycarbonate, I think. 
And he did that so that it was strong and so that he could um, print in threads on the end of it. Or maybe he tapped the threads. I don't remember. But he put in threads on the end of it so that he could put like a like a cap to hold the front wheels on so they wouldn't slide off. But the rest of it was just like PLA printed and stuck together and he's driving it around. It was so crazy to me. But hmm. So then we talked for a while. He was super nice, super like happy to explain uh, all the stuff that he had done. And it was refreshing. This sounds cocky and I don't mean for it to sound cocky. It was refreshing that he had no idea who I was. I was a person asking him questions about a thing that he made. And it was really nice to just, you know, somebody talking about thing that they're passionate about and they spend time on without any, like, trying to convince anybody of anything or, like, prove themselves. He was just excited about it. It was really, really cool. <laughs> Turns out he also worked on Star Wars. He's one of the people, the group of seven or eight people that built the original BB-8. Oh, like, wow. He made the one for the movies, and he's the guy that remote controls BB-8 on red carpets. And... <laughs> Like, the BB-8 is the ball with the, the, the head ball. that stays. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And uh, so we talked about that for a little bit, which was pretty cool. But so there were a lot of people like that that were just kind of you know flying under the radar, doing something cool. Got to walk around and, and just see what they were up to. There were uh, a group of Ghostbusters in the back that I found the last minute right before the whole thing shut down. There was a group of guys back there that were all in like Ghostbuster cosplay, and they had a, a fully – Decked out Ecto One there, parked next to him. I got yeah. I got to know that guy a little bit. Uh, the guy that owned the car. Oh yeah, and yeah, we exchanged information. I said I'll help him because he really collects those. He collects any kind of oddball car. I said let's stay in touch. I find cool stuff all the time that I would love to buy, but I have no legitimate reason to. I said I'll pass them on to you because he buys stuff from out of the country and has them shipped hmm. into where he lives. Are you so, going to sell your hearse to him? No, he, he doesn't like he doesn't he doesn't want the fifty seven and and I, I don't think I, he's not interested in that. But I do know where there's other hearse that the Ecto one is in nineteen fifty nine, mm. so mine's a fifty seven. It doesn't look the same. Mine looks a little different. Gotcha. But the body changed. But I did watch Ghostbusters on the plane home. Afterlife, that one? No, the first one from nineteen eighty four. Oh, really? It's amazing how sexist Bill Murray is. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> It's like this type of behavior, just like, like he meets a woman and all he wants to do is just get in her pants. It's like crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's like unbelievable to me. I mean, that's 80s movies. They were, there's it's a lot of It's crazy to me. It's just like, it's crazy. Like when you look at it now and like in the, you know, I don't want to sound, you know, overly woke, but it was just like, so he's just immediately disrespectful to her the entire time he's talking about <laughs> the name of comedy, but it is Bill Murray, you know? And, yeah. You know. So one thing is interesting. As much I watched, as things change, they stay the same. But don't uh, read the news about Bill Murray. Um, this might be a spoiler if you haven't seen the newest Ghostbusters that came out this past year or something. I watched it on the plane, and the very so spoiler alert. Okay, there's your alert. At the very very end, after the credits, there's a scene with Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver. And do you remember the shocking wow. machine where he was shocking his students? The, yes, in the opening. <laughs> yeah. So in this post credit scene she is running the machine and he has the shocking thing on and everything he says she's basically just shocking him for it and just right. like so he's getting his payback there from her oh. which I thought was kind of cool oh, good. But we saw it in the theater a few months ago and I thought it was fantastic it was really good I was surprised that, uh, that kid was absolutely amazing in it mm-hmm. 
yeah, it was it was good. That that movie was surprising to me. I hadn't seen it because I was like, ah, it's going to be another one of the like the last terrible one, you know, whatever. It was good. It wasn't. Um, we should do a whole show about the movies that I tried to or did watch on the, <laughs> on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> but um, also there, other than the Ecto One, Nick Zametti has oh. his own, which I didn't realize these were his. Yeah, he has his own DeLorean. Like screen accurate Back to the Future DeLorean, hundred percent, and accurate. Knight Rider, unbelievable. And they were both at the show. It yeah. was crazy. If, if you missed it, you can look at my Instagram. I posted a picture from the the three sixty camera of me and Derek and, and Nick playing around with the controls of it. It's, oh yeah, uh, you got to set it. I didn't even sit in them. I couldn't get my knees in that thing. I if if that DeLorean, even if it wasn't decked out, I couldn't have got in it just the way it's so low to the ground. Yeah, and so I kind of. Plopped my butt in it and left my legs outside the car. I didn't want to rip any of the accidentally rip off any of the props inside. But it is extremely well made, and uh, it is an incredible, an incredible piece of memorabilia. And yeah. Nick, if if anybody doesn't know, Nick is a huge Back to the Future fan. He he's got one whole arm dedicated to the imagery of Back to the Future tattooed. Yeah, and you can see if you ever see Nick in his videos sticking out of his. His right wrist, you see the out-of-time license plate on the back of his hand, like kind of coming down over his watch area. It's unbelievable. So, But it is it is top to bottom, like wrist to shoulder, all the way around. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> when I got a chance, when I got a chance to, to visit the Back to the Future set on the Universal lot, a few times now because of the TV show making it, we shoot two studios away from that, that whole exterior set. I grabbed a couple of chips of paint off of the set and mailed them to, to Nick and photographed oh, whether awesome. these chips, because the whole set is literally peeling apart. It's made out of like Bondo and, and plywood. And it's just been outside for 35 years. And they do shoot stuff there. And you could see occasionally if they're going to shoot like an outdoor scene of a town square, they'll clean it up a little bit and just shoot it in a different way so it doesn't look like the Back to the Future set. But there's just chips of paint. So I took a picture of this chip and I sent it to him. And I know he sent me his framed it. He framed it, the photograph. It's just it's like a chip, like an inch long of paint from the set. I thought it would be funny for him. And he, he took it 100% serious. Speaking of the television show making it, did you guys get a bunch of messages about the new podcast from Squarespace called Making It? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't know they're doing a podcast. I know I saw that because I was like, oh, yeah, they keep sending this around. I didn't know that was the podcast, though. <clears throat> um, real quick, while we're talking about movie stuff, and this is a thing to show you guys, but also to make a call out to a listener. Do you remember a while ago I mentioned – I mean, years ago I mentioned somebody who worked at Leica, the stop, mm-hmm. anim- stop motion – you know, and they had faces from the movie that I like, Kubo and the Two Strings, and they were going to send them to me, and then I lost track of that person. And then they heard me say that, and then they sent me some. I cannot find that message. So if you are that person, please send me a message because I want to formally say thank you to you, and I cannot find the message. But I got a box with these oh, look at that. 3D printed. Um, these are parts of stop-motion characters that oh, were used wow. in the movie. And they are pieces of the faces that have tiny little magnets on the back that are embedded so that they can snap on on and off. They don't have eyeballs in them, um, but they have, you know, like number markers on the back as to what frame or what position, I guess, they are within the face, 
animation and they are so cool. This is one of the coolest things anybody has ever sent to me, ever. Because <laughs> I, I love this movie. It's Kubo and the Two Strings. It's a great movie. And these are two of the main characters' faces. <laughs> and they're, like, from the movie. And I, I'm trying to figure out a way to – I want to talk to the person that sent them to me and get permission because I know that there's some kind of – you know, I can't do anything I want with them because I'm, I'm not sure that I'm supposed to have them. But – Right. I want to say thank you, but I also want to find out what I can do with them because I would love to make something to show these off. And so I'll just do it for myself if I can't make a video about it. But anyway, these things are really cool. Wow. So if you're listening, thank you, and please get in touch with me. Have I you watched the movie since receiving that? I have not, but I haven't shown these to my kids yet either, and I want to show the kids, and then like they're all going to be like, oh, yeah, let's watch it again. So then we'll watch it again. <clears throat> That's super cool. Anyway, you talking about the uh, the paint chips made me think of that. Um, well, okay. So, our, our I don't know. We don't really have anything else to talk about. We can talk more about Maker Central, but David, you have not gotten to speak. <laughs> what have you been up to? I'm just I'm curious about Maker Central. Um, I just put out the engine, the go kart racing engine build video on the second channel, Ooh, I got and uh, it is. Um, I've never spent so long on a video. Like it, it was shot over three days, and then I sat on the footage for months, and then there was hours of footage. So the video ended up being about forty-five minutes long, and then I threw up on, on my second channel where it's it's actually not going to get seen. So there was a there was a lot of effort to put into this really long video that there, there is no there is no payoff except for. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to make this thing so other people could could build engines, and um, so that's what I just put out. And I uh, we haven't haven't figured out what we're going to going to Dave, make this week. Yeah, I'm going to scold you. I went to where it says channels on your. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I went to where it says channels, and you don't have anything listed. Oh, you know what? I should I should. Uh, Come on now. Yeah, Come on I, now. I need to fix that. At least put your other channel up there so people can jump to it. Somebody actually just mentioned that in, in, a, in a tweet yesterday to me. Like, you don't list it in your channel. So I guess I got to do that. There are, as a one-person business, there are so many things that I need to do. That <laughs> don't I feel do. bad. It was only about a year ago, which would have been at least 10 years since I started, that I finally put up a couple of friends up there. I think you guys are up there and Jody the Welder uh -huh. and a few other friends in Jocko. <clears throat> so you, just put, you put up on there just channels that you want to support. There, there are, you know, they're, they're, they're broken links on my website and it would take me 10 minutes to go fix, but there are so many things to do all the time that all, those little things are, they're very low priority. So I'm trying but to remember that. Remember, we've talked about this before, that emotional weight of those things hanging over your head is real and it is there. <sighs> yeah. The, also the emotional weight of deadlines and yeah. <laughs> my own expectations is, is pretty heavy too and bank accounts and stuff yeah, exactly <laughs> uh yeah so uh i just put out that video i'm, I'm very happy with it. It, it it won't interest you unless you really have a desire to learn about engine stuff um it's in my well, liked it's in my liked list so is right. it so is it something that it's i'm, I'm probably not going to build a like build my own go-kart engine anytime soon but mm -hmm. is it is it general enough or useful enough general information that it would help me understand 
engines in general better? Yes, yes, because uh, okay. um, I have gotten some comments saying I have no no desire to ever do this, but it's cool to see how it works. Good. So yeah, we take we take a, the 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 whole thing apart, and it's down to the bare block, and then we're putting in the um, the crankshaft, and we swap out the cam, and then we put the the piston and the connecting rod assembly together, and how that goes in there, and then we we talk about the head and and um, fuel air mixture flowing through that, and we actually bore out and put in bigger valve seats in there, and so it's a uh, um, if you don't know anything about small engines or engines in general, it's a you'll, you'll definitely pick up something. And then in, at the end of the video, I show the Chevy and how it's like this is just a smaller version of that. This only has one cylinder. This one has eight, and uh, we're going to. It's unbelievable. I'm I'm scrolling through it, and you take you take the whole entire motor completely completely yeah. apart. It's uh, it's unlike any other video that I've done. It is it is a very detailed video. I am talking for forty five minutes straight explaining i just bought the same exact i just bought the same exact motor from from harbor freight Mm -hmm. and now did you have to drain the oil out i'm just thumbing through it quickly yeah there's a there's a there's a little bit of oil in there i think when you first get them but not enough to so you gotta fill it i haven't opened the box yeah you you have have to fill it there's an oil sensor built into it so it won't start until you put it up but I take the oil sensor out because in go-kart racing, you don't want the oil sensor. Since oil is going to get sloshed around, it would cut yeah. off during racing. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. I'm going to watch that's, this in detail. Yeah, I think that's I think that's one I'm going to watch too just because even even the length. Usually a video that long, I'm like, well, I mean, it'd be cool, but like I probably won't. But I think this is one I'll probably watch because I need – I have a – very broad, very loose understanding of how an engine is put together. I understand the principle of combustion and like the, you know, the process of the in and out of all the things. But when it comes to what the parts look like that do the things, mm-hmm. I've not been inside of an engine enough to really like, I couldn't reach in and pull up a part and be like, oh, this is the whatever, you know. Right. So it'd be nice to see you pulling it apart and saying what the things are at the same time and see it go back together. So. When I was in when I was in seventh grade, I had to do a science project, and my father suggested I I do. And my dad wasn't an engine guy. He just said, "Why don't you do engines? This way we could take one apart." Because we just took apart an old lawnmower engine, and I did cardboard cutouts to demonstrate the difference between a four-stroke and a two-stroke motor. So we we had photocopied images out of a book, and I cut them apart and kind of like physically animated them, not not on camera, but to show where the intake and exhaust and the explosion happens and the difference between a two-stroke and a four-stroke. So I can't sit here and explain them to you specifically, but I do, in theory, understand it. And that was from me being in seventh grade doing a science fair project on it. And all, I, every time I take apart a motor, I remember the learning I learned that during that period That's of pretty time. impressive. The, the geometry and the, the mechanics of how a two-stroke works is, is pretty phenomenal uh, of how efficient it is mm-hmm. um and one of the things that you'll see in the in the, in the video is uh, a lot of the parts on this it's basically it's a lawnmower engine um they look I- identical to a, a a regular engine like you pull out the piston and you you can't tell the di- just visually looking maybe by size you can't tell the difference between a go-kart piston and 
a nineteen sixty Impala piston. They look exactly the same. The connecting yeah, rods look exactly the same. And then you have all the rockers and and the valves. They all look exactly the same, except the go kart is just smaller and ha- has less less mass. Cool, awesome. Um, oh man, I, sorry, I got distracted by my watch history. <laughs> so I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that video. Um, cool. Well, uh, what do you? So you don't know what you, you said. You don't have anything coming up this next week that you're. No, I. I um, do you ever? You ever just get an idea and then all of a sudden you just buy all the stuff for it immediately, <laughs> and then. <laughs> and then uh, then you're like, I don't know if I want to do that this week, even though all the stuff has arrived. So, yeah. um, I I, I saw. Uh, basically, it's, uh, I, I saw this this little wooden notepad where you can you can you can take notes, and I was like, I kind of want to do that. So, um, turns out you can buy blank playing cards on Amazon, and so I bought a stack of bank playing uh, blank playing playing cards because it's like the perfect note size, and I like I like the little rounded corners on there, and. Um, I, then I got, it's, it's laserable rubber stamp material. Mm. So I want to, on the laser, I want to cut out and make my own rubber stamp and it'll have like lines, like a to-do list lines and maybe a circle where I can put a check and then a place to put a date on there. So I want to stamp all the cards and, and put my own ruled lines on there. And I want to make Is this one little, card per week, 52 weeks. Yeah, well, I got a huge stack of of these, so <laughs> it, it, for me, it would be like a daily to do list. And um, th- this little wooden thing would hold the blank ones, but also hold one that's that's standing up, so I can see my list and I can actually check off or write down my to do list. And then uh, I, I got a I got pen a pen kit for the lathe to make my own pen. So I got all these things because I was so excited that night to do this thing. And now all the parts are here, and all the pieces. I'm not sure if I, I, I'm not sure if I want to do it this week. <laughs> I do this all the time. We'll see. We'll see. Sounds like a cool project, though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jimmy, do you have anything coming out this week? I have a couple of ideas. I think I might take this week just to move a couple of my larger projects along. Like I might work on the boat, the boat, uh, the boat mold. And my brother's family's in town this weekend. My brother from California is in town with his family. So we're going to hang out with my mom. So I, I'm going to try and take it easy a few days. And I'll build my boat mold and work on that. And so that won't be a conclusive video. But So I might take the weekend off and from publishing, but just move some stuff along. Cool. So I don't think I'm going to publish, but I will be working. So you can follow along on Instagram, all the progress of the couple projects. Well, I'm building a rowboat. And I started the build by cutting out the mold stations, and I'm going to use the same strong back I used for the canoe, which I had in storage. I'm going to use all the decking wood from my front porch that I ripped up last summer. So that's going to involve a Jackman-style nail removal, magic wand, looking for all the metal type of thing, mm-hmm. and getting all the nails out. So me that and my brother really and everybody in the neighborhood is going to have one piece of wood. We're all going to try and remove the nails at the same time, so it'll be done. You should have just taken them all to uh, Maker Central with you, and then (laughs) every time somebody came up to talk to you, you could be like, 
put them to work. The fee is taking out nails of this board. Hundreds and hundreds. No, that's probably, uh, I don't know exactly. That's probably about 300 boards, 400 boards, about seven feet long, up to 10 feet long, and they all have nails in them. So I'm going to cut all that wood up and use that to make the canoe. And if depending upon what that looks like once it's stripped and milled, I may paint the boat with solid color. I'll use a total boat. And so I might leave some of the, the details around the gunnels and the interior unpainted, but I might paint the hull of the boat. I'm not sure yet, but that's going to be – I'm really looking forward to doing that project. I've been doing a lot of the research on it behind the scenes while flying. I took the book with me to read up on it. So I'm going to work on that, and I'm going to also start developing the go-kart project as well. I, I have uh... – I have this book right here, and it's like uh, all about building small watercraft and boats oh, yeah. and canoes and stuff. And yeah. it's a good classic book. I want to make a boat someday, but I don't live on a body of water. I have I have absolutely no purpose for having a for doing a you boat. You should do and, it. You know why? It's just it's such a great skill building exercise. And, uh, so there's so many things when I built my canoe I didn't think I could do, or I just was nervous to do them, and then I just like. Just said, somebody else can do this, I can do it. You know, there was so many moments of getting over fear while I made that boat. Hmm. And even if I didn't I didn't take it in the water for a year, Taylor's like, we gotta do we gotta use that canoe. So that one last summer we took it out several times. But it's I'm really looking forward to making this rowboat because that I will take out more often. The canoe is not something I really like I'm not like super attracted to canoeing. I like being in more of a rowboat where it's a little bit more relaxing. In the canoe, it's like every time you move you gotta be like okay, be careful, be careful. I went on a spit. You know, it's just a little bit more tipsy. So, David, which is there a kind of boat that you would that you're interested in, or like a specific something? Uh, I mean, just not really. I I, mm. I love the idea of making a boat, and there's a couple projects that I I've always wanted to make that I would have absolutely no no use for. Another one is a surfboard, and my my thought is maybe someday I'll make one t- at scale. Like I'll, I, I just want to go through the whole process of like making yeah. a surfboard or what you would do with making a boat. Mm-hmm. So maybe if I made a boat that's just like three feet long, yeah, that that will satisfy that need. It's funny because huh. Nick's very first boat, Nick Offerman, and I know this because he he told me about it in the beginning. He said he was nervous to make a full size boat, so he made a baby cradle for a close friend. The exact oh, traditional method you would yeah. make a boat, but it's a baby cradle, and it's like all just like. All the planking, with the with the interior strips, hmm. and that he made more like like a skiff, which would be more like the rowboat, like I'm going to make, as opposed to a canoe. Then his first real boat was the canoe that I filmed him make. Well, a couple of things. One, I didn't. You guys used to go like every Fourth of July. You would go up to the lake. Me, me, y- yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, our family has a cottage on Lake Erie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a body of water. So that's one thing. But also. I spent two years making R2-D2. And you know how often I use R2-D2? <laughs> none. Zero. Ever. Zero? None. I don't know how, much, how to see, say uh, that exactly. But <laughs> well, R2-D2, like, I've spent all that work. We literally took it out the last day of filming. We took it outside, rolled it around. We rolled it up my driveway. I have, like, the, the back. It goes up in the back. Into the house, into the living room. And it has stayed in that exact spot since then. 
So day of, um, you know, like you got to you got to incorporate him into your videos now, Bob. You got to have well, him like holding the camera, like you cut to him, and he's like <laughs> throwing something on the ground because he's mad you, you flubbed the take or something. It's such a pain to move around. I don't want to get it out. I don't want because I have to lift it down a couple of stairs, and the thing is like, I don't know, 150 pounds. Well, Josh, I know Josh is listening, Josh and Anthony. So take R2D2, bring him out into the shop, and film for like a half a day all these like one sided jokes. That's then, a good idea. And then make Bob do the other side when they're appropriate. That's a go. good idea. We might have yeah. to do that. Anyway, the point being, I don't use it, but it was a thing that I learned a huge amount doing it. And so, I mean, the way we all are, I think that's probably enough of a reason. I'm, I'm just going to decide for you that that's enough of a reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I, when I made the canoe, I made the canoe and I thought I was going to give it to Filson. This is I've said the story many times. And they said, we don't have room for it right now. Take it home and then we'll come and get it from you. And then the woman who hired me moved on to another job. So now it's mine. But it sat in the shop <laughs> and filled up with stuff like, oh, just put it in the canoe, like anything like, oh, I want to remember where this is. Just put it in the canoe. So the canoe sat on its stands and filled up with junk. <laughs> and then we never, I never touched it until Taylor was like, uh, you know, you built a beautiful canoe. Let's take it out on the water. And then so we did. There's an old building here in Toledo and there is a, a big, like, I don't, I don't know the the actual names, but like a team rowboat type thing, you know, it's, Oh yeah. The really long ones. Yeah. The really long ones. I don't know how long it is. 20, 30 feet long. And it's hanging from the ceiling in this old building. And, and it's been there for decades. Like the only way that could have gotten in there is through the window and through and a crane. Like that boat would just live there for, for until that building comes down. Yeah. Yep. Well, there you go. well, the classic story. If you watch some, I don't, I don't, I don't even know where this videos would be published at this point. But when Nick built that canoe in Red Hook inside of the workshop, we got home from our trip to retrieve the materials. This is in the, the summer of two thousand and seven. We came home with the materials, and we realized we couldn't get them in the building because his shop was on the third floor. So we couldn't carry them up through the stairwell. It was an old, it's an old factory building, so there was plenty of room, but not enough to spin eighteen feet tube up and through the stairwell so it's two in the morning was standing on the roof of my truck roping it up so nick was up pulling the rope getting it up inside and then when the boat was finished we had to take it right out that same window and lower it down on ropes when it was finished and that's all documented somewhere but i don't know where i guess it's all in the in the dvd i can't remember cool good times well uh you guys got anything else you want to chat through no welcome back well, thank, thank you. you. I hope you guys That's enjoyed okay. that conversation. Yeah. It was like the three of us driving in a car, talking about nothing. Are we home yet? <laughs> I think that's what people like, though. I had several people that <laughs> said that this week. They were like, I just love putting it on, and it's like I'm just overhearing conversation of people around me in the shop working. It's cool. That's good, because we don't put a lot of pressure on ourselves to come up with topics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, um, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters, and you guys can find something to recommend. I have a recommendation that I've been sitting on for two weeks. I'm happy that I found something that I want to, like, actually tell people about. Uh, Big thanks to everybody that sources on Patreon. A lot of them were at Maker Central. It was great to have met you. Thank you for coming, and thank you for supporting us. Um, We're really grateful. Um, I had had an email and a conversation at Maker Central about – Hey, you know, we might be interested in in sponsoring making it. And I was like, oh, really? Because to be honest, it would take a lot. 
And they were like, well, what does that mean? And I was like, well, it, was Elon it, would, Musk. it would it would take a lot. Of, <laughs> yeah, I turned down Elon Musk for sponsoring the podcast. Um, but I was I was able to confidently tell them it would take a ridiculous amount of money for us to take your sponsorship on the podcast. And they were like, well, why is that? Don't you want money? And I said, yes, but we are Patreon supported. Uh, people have gone out of their way to support the show so that we don't have to take on sponsorships that don't really make sense, that don't work. And not that we won't ever do that in the future. I'm not saying that, but we don't need to. It's easy to turn them down because we have listener support. That's super cool. Yes. What if we found if? a sponsor to host an event? You know, maybe we could all mm. meet at Jimmy's and it doesn't have to be a huge three day thing, but we, we all meet at Jimmy's and we do some demonstrations and then in the evening we just sit down and record a live podcast. And I know one I know there, one of my there'll be a title sponsor for that. I know, awesome. that's a good idea because I know one of my sponsors would love to do that because they would love to jump on the podcast right now. And I said, you know, respectfully we're a we are a fan supported website or a fan supported show and but to do the event would be a great option to offer them. And yeah. I, I mean, we, we've we've done the event in the past, and it was a learning experience of like, oh my goodness, all of these things that you have to figure out to host an event. You know, mm-hmm. like I so said, maybe, and, and I, I hate to volunteer your your place, Jimmy, but um, I think it would take a lot of the pressure off if it was just more of a laid back thing where we just got yeah. together. And we did a couple things, and we just recorded a podcast, and it wasn't like follow a schedule. And I could, yeah. uh, you know, we could we could start developing that idea. What would that be for uh, making it four hundred, three hundred, six hundred? What episode are we on? I don't even know. Three, three fifty three. Yeah, so maybe four hundred. Maybe four hundred, because I can probably get the Blackthorn to 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 host that. Yeah, we could do like an off off year thing, off weird thing. That would be fun. Or we could like. Instead of going for the hundred, it could just be, you know, anything. The, the episode three hundred and ninety-two yeah. extravaganza yep. or whatever. Like, <laughs> like we could do it this summer. We won't. We won't hit the the next yeah. hundred milestone. Um, right. But yeah. Well, it, we could do it for four hundred, but we could just do it whenever. Oh, we could pre-record episode four and then just not release <laughs> oh, it. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Only yeah. people that come to the event would hear episode four hundred. And then by the time everybody else heard it, it would be so out of date. It wouldn't even be interesting. We would sound like babies. Cool. We've got a fantastic plan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, big thanks to everybody right now that supports us on Patreon right now. Thank you. We we do really appreciate it. Um, And, yeah, we'll look at that. That's a great idea, David. We'll try to figure that out. Um, Excuse me. Big thanks to our top supporters over there, as always. Big thanks to Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, and Full Steam Designs. Mm. Uh, none of them were there, no, now that I think about it, which is okay. But uh, lots of other people were there. And I wanna, I'm looking back at the list of people who are not in that uh, on screen normally so that I can say thank you to Alan Sloan. Thank you, Alan. Who, based on his email address, is left-handed. I am also left-handed. So right on, Alan. Uh, big thanks to everybody that helps us out over there. And maybe if we do that event, we can do something special for the Patreon supporters who are going to be there. Ooh. So, I know something and, you don't know. And, yeah, you do? I'm not left-handed. Oh, 
<laughs> well played. All right, so uh, we may do something special. If we do that event, we may do something special for Patreon supporters. They'll find out about it first. Maybe we can keep updates in the after show so they'll know about it before anybody else because the after show is only for Patreon supporters. So if you want to get that uh, or if you just want to help us out, that would be awesome as well. Go to patreon.com slash making it. We would be grateful. We are grateful, but we would also be also grateful. You know what I mean. More grateful? Thank you. Grateful. You guys got anything to recommend? Yes. Yeah, I just sent you guys both uh, an image from the airplane. It was probably one of the best documentaries I've seen in a really long time uh, about Sesame Street. Huh. It's so good. Street gang. So good. It's about the implement. It's about the conception of of Sesame Street, and Sesame Street was a huge part of my upbringing, and probably in a very direct way, a huge part of my filmmaking process because some of my favorite things of Sesame Street was watching when they would do factory clips of just factory ca- canning and bottling and like different stuff like that. And then it's so funny. Honestly, it was bringing me to tears. So many funny memories. They were showing the guy who wrote all the music and you would think like, oh, it's Sesame Street. They need a full-time musician. Every single thing that they did. And this guy wrote all the music you know, uh, it's not easy being green and so many songs that you just like take for granted that they just were there. Huh. And it was just amazing. It's just so many, so many pleasant, beautiful surprises in that documentary that if you're were born since 1969 until today, anytime in between, you experienced Sesame Street and how it was focused at inner city kids. And I remember being, I remember being a little kid singing, Oh, this is where my dad works because my dad worked in Rockaway Beach, which was like in New York City suburbs. So it was outside Manhattan. So when I was a kid, you'd see buildings that were deteriorated and, you know, next to people playing in the streets. And then when I moved to the Lower East Side, I mean, it was just like being in Sesame Street. It was it was so heartwarming. Hmm. It was great. And, you know, I had no idea. They Basically, Sesame Street was developed because they realized people who care. So so many kids re being indoctrinated into commercial TV, kids knowing like the Budweiser lyrics to the Budweiser commercial and cleaning products, but not not any real learning. So they said, let's do advertising tactics to teach kids the alphabet, to teach wow. kids concepts like near and far. And they hired, I always thought that the Jim Henson crew came up with Sesame Street. They hired Jim Henson because he was making commercials. And they just thought he was like a perfect fit. So Jim Henson was hired by the team that developed Sesame Street. And then wow. he became, and it's funny, there was one point where the executive producers like said, every time Jim Henson's contract came up for renewal, let's just, just give him whatever he wants. Don't even, don't even argue with him. Just give him whatever he wants. Mm. <laughs> because he was, he was Sesame Street and his team was Sesame Street. You know, growing up and watching Sesame Street, because I did a lot, I never made the association of I mean I knew it was in like a, a city because I grew up in a small town and and my town didn't have row houses it didn't have that same kind of like you know condensed street that it had but I never ever ever made the association with New York or with that type right. of a, a big city because I just I didn't have any experience there I right. didn't have a I, it was I shot in New York and everybody that kind of conceived of it kind of came from New York and there were commercials at the time, and they talk about it. There were commercials at the time about 
visit a ghetto. And it was kind of a sarcastic thing. It was like, visit the ghetto. We have water. And it shows like kids playing in the hydrants. And there was this commercial that was inspirational. And it was, and it, it was like they really were focusing on inner city kids. And wow. That's it awesome. was very targeted, specific. And like I said, I, as a little kid, my grandparents lived in Rockaway Beach and my dad worked in Rockaway Beach, which looked very much like most of, most of New York. It was a little bit more suburban, but there were bigger parts of it. That were more in Brooklyn. You know, I grew up going to Brooklyn. My dad's first firehouse was in Brooklyn, so I grew up seeing all that. And then it was just a natural thing for me to be like, "Oh, that's that's like Sesame Street. That's cool." That's like awesome. I never even made the distinction because like it was just something that I'd always seen since I was an infant, going into Brooklyn to the firehouse where my dad worked. Very cool. So anyway, check it out. It's it's great. It's it's it, it leaves you with such a warm fuzzy feeling. Especially if you were a fan of Sesame Street, which I don't know any human alive, it can't be. <laughs> cool, David, what you got? Uh, just to clarify, my I know something you don't know is uh, probably misquoted from the greatest movie of all time, which is The Princess Bride. That's what mm. I was trying to quote. But anyway, my pick this week is, and I think we've uh, we've mentioned them before, but they deserve another mention, is Jenny and Davis, their YouTube channel. Um, if you have any desire in making and selling things at all, you should really, really check out this channel and, and, and watch them. They they do such an amazing job, um, and they just they just look like like fun people, and they make great videos, and they deserve some more attention. And I just now realized I've known of them for a long time, but I just now realized that Jenny spells her name like my sister. Oh. I.E. instead of They're y, related. Which, <laughs> probably. I've never seen anybody else that spell it like that. That's cool. Um, mine is a channel that I just stumbled across. I was looking up some some process for how to do some fiberglass stuff. And uh, came across this channel called Hollywood Hunter. And this is a husband and wife couple. Oh, man. I'm glad you were muted, Jimmy. Jimmy just I just sneezed. caught it just the time. <laughs> I saw the wind up of that and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be bad. <laughs> mute. I had a bad sneeze. But you anyway. I scrambled um, for my clicker. Uh it's a husband and wife team, and it seems I I didn't watch very many videos. I watched two or three. <clears throat> it seems to be that they are just really talented and they make stuff for their son. <laughs> like I don't know <laughs> if they do it for work or if they do it I don't know the rest of the story. But the reason I found them is because they were making a castle gray skull. So if you know, he man at all from the eighties, castle gray skull was this crazy looking castle that the mouth, the front of it was a skull and the drawbridge was a mouth. And it is a very cool piece of art. And the toy itself was about maybe two feet tall. This was like, you know, sit on your desk kind of thing. So they took this thing and they scaled it up big enough for their kid to be able to walk through the drawbridge. Mm. So they made a giant, I mean, it's not like, not adult size. I mean, it's like a kid size playset of Castle Grayskull. And it is one for one, exact, awesome, incredible. <laughs> like It blew my mind seeing them make this in their garage. And I didn't watch the, it's a series. And so I didn't watch all of the videos of the thing, but they, built it out of foam and they sculpted it and then they fiberglassed it and then they painted it and then they weathered it and they made the door open and close. And so I saw a couple of videos about the fiberglassing part of it. And then I jumped ahead cause I wanted to see the whole thing finished. So I found a video of them 
putting it in their backyard and their kid playing in it. And while they're, the kid is playing in it and they're showing it off, the camera pans around and there's another playset of the Ghostbusters fire station. Same scale. Oh, kid man. can climb through it and climb up and it's like for a kid, it's two stories, you know, and it's just like in their backyard. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. So these, <laughs> these people are really talented and uh, granted, like I said, I didn't watch very many videos, but it looked to me like they were just doing all this just for their kid to have cool stuff to play on. <laughs> like, wow, I need to, hmm. I need to think outside myself a little bit more because I could be making some really cool things like that for my kids. Or for yourself. But, or for myself, yeah. Oh, you just scale it up a little bit more, and then you have an actual Castle Grace. <laughs> yeah. Who needs an A-frame, right? I right. just build Castle Grace at the farm. Anyway, so they're talented. I don't know them. I don't know anything about them. But uh, they were sharing lots of cool techniques around uh, fiberglass and you know painting and weathering and matching, scaling something from small to really big. And so definitely go check them out. Give them some attention. Hollywood Hunter. Is the, I think that's the name. Something very close to that, if that's not it. Um, yeah. That's that's what I got. You guys got anything else? A little something, something for the after show. Ooh. No, not, okay. nothing, nothing. Don't don't get too excited. Oh. Calm down. But I, Okay. Well, I guess I'm not <laughs> excited anymore. All right, cool. Well, we're going to go to the after show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for hanging Thank out. You. Even though we didn't have a show last week, we appreciate it. And uh, Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Love you guys. Thank you.